Don't you just love it when farmers level up in their farming businesses and diversify their farming profile? I absolutely love it. Hello, podcast family. My name is Duncan Masiwa. Welcome to our Farmer Mentor Series brought to you by Farmers Inside Track. And this episode of our special podcast series, we meet Lumka Dikhashu. She cultivates a diverse range of crops, including yellow maize, sugar beans, cabbages, spinach, and potatoes. And she does this all on 260 hectares of land in the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal. In addition to that, she also manages an impressive Punzmara cattle herd. But beyond that, Lumka also leases 1,800 hectares of land. And she dedicates 5 hectares to cultivating Umflonyana, which is then processed into ponda juice. If that's not enough to impress you, she's also in the process of acquiring 10,000 layers. What an impressive farmer. Let's meet Lumka. Lumka, my first question to you is who in the world are you and why is it the first time that I'm hearing about you? Well, Lumka, as you have met, I'm a farmer. I started in Coxton, very small, in a farm called Glenroy. I think that's where everything just picked up. My friend in love with farming. And for the part of you not knowing me, I do not know. <laughs> I really do not know. Yeah. We run around so much that we forget about things like this, you know, the internet, social media. Only now we're starting to pick it up. I love that. You know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I said that oftentimes the biggest young farmers are not on social media. And I think you are an example of that. Definitely lovely meeting you and I have a bit of background about your story. There's so much that I don't know about you and I'm sure our listeners as well. Let's get to know you a bit better. Your journey into farming, how did you decide to diversify into crops? Outside of opportunity, really, because initially I started with cabbages, which did very well. Then I had an opportunity where I got funding where they funded me yellow maize. I knew nothing about the space in yellow maize, but the moment I started, I just ran with it. So I expanded from cabbage to yellow maize, and I was introduced by another organization, by sugar beans, and I saw how well that went. So I ran with it as well. And with all the opportunities that come, you know, you get companies that will approach you and say, okay, we need this and we need that. And that's how I went into potatoes. There was a group of buyers, like who buy in bulk, wholesalers, who said, look, we need potatoes. So I thought, okay, let me try and see how it goes. And it, it went well, and I ran with it. So it's always just been opportunity. It was not something where I said, and I said, okay, I want to do this. I just literally just started with one, and it just it mushroomed to what I have now. It sounds a lot like favor to me. It's definitely inspiring. You make it sound as if you've always known what to do. You've always had it figured out. What is your background when it comes to agriculture? Were you raised by farmers? Or are you a first-generation farmer yourself? I'd like to say I'm a first-generation farmer. My mom was a teacher and my dad. So I was raised by teachers. However, mom had the love for farming. I did take it from her because she's always spoken about not buying food that she can grow for herself. And quite frankly, I hated it. I hated growing the garden. <laughs> I never knew that I was going to do farming. And then I started it. And how I started was not getting a job. 
I got pregnant with my first child. And the first thought that came into mind was, I don't have money. I had a bit of money in my account, but it was not going to sustain me. So I thought, what business can I start so that by the time my child comes to the world, I've got some money to raise her. And I thought of farming. I did cabbages. They did so well. I'd say for me, the one thing that really did help, I knew nothing about farming. I don't have a background, even academically. I did business. That's my qualification. I think that's where it plays in where my marketing skills did well because I planted, I went to various shops. I didn't get any hassle, to be quite honest. Instead, I ran short of produce. And look where you are today, you know, farming on over 2,000 hectares of land. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> we'll get a bit more into, you know, your marketing strategy and how you approach that. But managing a variety of crops on 260 hectares of land is quite impressive. How do you approach that? Is there crop rotation involved? Take us through that. There is crop rotation involved. It can be tricky. I always do say to my fellow colleagues, I'm lucky to have a partner that supports my dream. So if one is not there, the other's on the other side. And mm. it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. We do make a lot of mistakes because some another project will fail and another will start because of being in different areas. Corporation, absolutely, that does help a lot. It also helps with the yield of the produce. Even with, with the season, cockset is very cold. So you set your time on when to plant your various crops. For me, my cash crop is cabbages. The right time this side to start planting cabbages in cockset is from August. But obviously, if you plant in August, you'll start harvesting between December and November. The prices there are low because of the, there's a lot of people that have. So I normally like planting around this time toward March. The produce is scarce and you get a bit more value for your cabbages. So you, that also plays a role on rotating your crops. But sometimes, because of your land, you can't play around with the time so that you make more money. You just have to plant when the opportunity presents itself. And then there's also your livestock element, which is Bonsmara cattle. You know, how does that work? And also the decision behind Bonsmara. Why Bonsmara specifically? That was a joint decision. I wanted a beef master initially. Then my husband spoke to one of his fellow farmers and they suggested that Bonsmara is their hardy breed. And Matatiel is cold. So rather than us taking beef master, let's take Bonsmara. So it was a decision that was advised to go exactly and we took it and so far so good that's great hearing your story and listening to all the different elements to your farming business profile it's clear that you and your husband are not only innovative but you are forward thinkers and, and that's quite important you know when you are a farmer you have to be forward thinking as a farmer take us through some of the innovative business strategies that you have implemented to stay competitive and resilient in what is a ever-changing agricultural landscape? You have to be open to change. Uh, you have to be open to learn, listen, especially to the people that have been there before you, especially in the marketing side. Before you can put anything on the ground, you need to know where you're going to take it. I always say agriculture is easy to sell, but some people say we're different because some people may be good at planting, but not at marketing their produce. 
be open-minded. I don't want to say the space of agriculture is competitive rather than learn to work together because that's how you will grow. How? If I've got cabbages, let's talk about cabbages because those are cash crops. That's, that's something that is needed every day. I don't plant the whole seven hectares at one. I plant a hectare and every two weeks another hectare so that there's no pressure for me to harvest all of my land. If I don't have enough clients that want cabbages, I, do, I won't say I don't have. I'll call a fellow farmer to say, is your cabbage ready? And then I'll send it to them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how you grow and that's how you can expand your market space. Yeah. And being innovative is to learn to collaborate with other farmers. You yeah. may not be into agro-processing or just think about it, but if you know somebody who's using your produce, especially with, if they're local, Go to that person, have a conversation, see how you can work together in order to create something that could be of value for both of you. That's quite important. For a long time, I had the perception that farmers didn't like collaborating until I started seeing more and more of it. And perhaps that was the case a few years ago where farmers liked working in silos. But I think we've started realizing the importance of actually taking hands with one another for the betterment of our businesses. And I think you're doing that quite exceptionally. One of the other innovative strategies that you've implemented is your agro-processing unit. What you do is you take umflonyana and process it into ondo juice. Now, first of all, I have no idea what Mshondiana is, so let's start there, <laughs> and then let's go into what Pondo juice is. Pondo was going to kill me for it uh, because that's where the collaboration comes in. I've collaborated with Pondo juice. Pondo juice is not my baby; it's Nobo's baby. He creates the uh, he creates the juice, but he needs the produce, which is Mshondiana. Mshondiana in English is Polythrisia. Indigenous plant. Okay. That is only found in South Africa. It was popular during COVID. Do you remember? There was that plant where they said, boil it, steam with it, or drink it. It's good for you. Didn't it make headlines at some point? Yes, it did. I suspect, yes. Oh, wow. So you take that and process it into a juice. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Noble from Cockstead. I call him T because we've got a very complicated name. He gave her uh, okay. name. <laughs> I, I rather... So he's the one, he's the brain behind. And we just collaborated where I said, I've got the land, let's plant. So I plant Mshoriana for him and then he purchases it. Wow. It works so well together that if I'm going to exhibit, I never leave this purchase behind. I'm marketing my purchase as well. It's quite a unique partnership. I don't think I've ever heard it put in that way. What has that? you as a farmer you know you producing a crop for someone so that they can process it into a product what has that taught you as a farmer it taught me never to close doors if you had asked me two years ago that would you be into processing it was an absolute no-no for me because i just felt it requires a lot of machinery i was not about that life for me i'm so comfortable into my primary space while i was comfortable so what it's taught me is like she said earlier, being innovative, having an open mind to life in general. Because if his business does well, my business goes well. It is an amazing partnership that it has started and I see it going very far. And to my surprise, a lot of people are loving the energy drink. 
They have it in late, the pharmacies, in some of the local retailers. So there's now there's high demand for us to grow more Mkrangana. Sure. And who knows what of these days you'll be exporting. We are intending to. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the forward thinking, I love it. <laughs> there's more to your story, Lunka. You told me that you are in the process of acquiring 10,000 layers. When do you stop? We are having difficulties with getting the layers from the point of lake chickens because of the flu. So most of the farmers, especially in South Africa, are already booked up for their layers. Initially, I thought I'd be starting by the end of March. I'm still optimistic about that date. However, I did open up a bit more four weeks extra going towards April. Just see how we're going with, with the orders. I am not doing this alone, if I may add. I'm doing it through Advent. So it is an organization that wanted farmers who are into poaching. They will get supplied by these layers, feed and medication, and then we supply them with eggs. And obviously because they come as investors, they will control the price of an egg. The last time we spoke, this could be a price that may change. It was 35 cents an egg, which is not bad at all, considering the chicken lays an egg every 26 hours. Almost every single day will be producing approximately 8,000 eggs. Which is quite impressive. Not bad at all. Well, I mean, you know, all the best with your future endeavors moving into the poultry industry. You know, if your track record and your CV is anything to go by, I have no doubt that you'll be making a success of that as well. <laughs> but let's talk business, you know, let's talk financial management, which is a crucial part in farming. How do you budget and allocate resources across all these diverse aspects of your farming enterprise? It does get a bit tricky. I don't want to lie. It needs strong discipline, very, very strong discipline because farming is the one business that you have no control of disaster. So when managing finances, we're not an everyday making business. So you must be able to allocate your money per cycle. We do our cycles every four months. Even paying our personal bills, we've set them like that. We don't find ourselves in this situation. We have, we've done a whole lot of bad financial management, but we learned. And obviously not alone, you have to go ask for help. But we do have mentors that assist us with managing our money. And it's not something you can, let's say a month, and then you become content. Every two years, get yourself another short course or some sort of training again, just to reiterate it in your head. And the reason I say every two years, some people would think that's ridiculous. Like I said earlier, we were brought up by teachers. So the money that came was money from hand to mouth. We may not see it, but that does have a subconscious effect. I've seen it. I used to do it. You'll make money now. Because we're not used to this huge amount of money, we were not taught at a young age how to handle money. We were taught to spend money. Yeah. And not in a bad way, but that's just how it was. There was no money to be saved. We didn't have allowances. You got money when you asked for it. It's more of a self-awareness thing. I won't say I have it yet, but I'm heading there. I love how you point out that, you know, a very important part of 
being a successful farmer and having a successful farming business is personal development and addressing those things that you talked about, learning how to manage finances, learning how to all of a sudden manage 500,000 or a million rand, money that you've never had access to before. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Let's talk marketing. I cannot imagine that that is an easy task looking at all the different crops and your cattle that you have as part of your portfolio. How do you approach marketing? A lot of people will probably disagree with me, but marketing is so easy. Tell us how. You will run out of land. There's all you need for food just to know where to go. And it's not even rocket science. Some people would make it sound they need to know these very fine top people. No. You don't have to even make a call to a CEO. Go to store. That doesn't buy directly from the farmer. But they will lead you to the right person. Go to ShopRite. Sugar doesn't buy directly to the farmer, but they will lead you to the right person. And the moment you do that, you'll realize that, you know, the 260 hectares I have is actually enough. And what I said earlier before, align yourself with other farmers. This is as simple as that. For example, cabbage and potatoes, they are the most produced produce this size. Between KZN, you could never go wrong. You don't even need a formal market. There are so many trucks and vans that want those proteins. Literally a matter of phone call. We yeah. get phone calls almost every week to a point where it does break your heart to a certain point, especially if you don't have proteins. For three months, you have no proteins. You've got clients that are just constantly calling you. That's mm. informal clients. But the informal market, I meant to say. And that's where your money is. Not that the formal market is bad. Tap on both of them. How to get the informal? Ask the next neighbor. They drink, they, they, they drink cabbages. For us, they will not say we don't know. I can guarantee you that they will take your number. The next time they're out of cabbage, they will definitely call you and say, look, we've got somebody who is looking for 10,000 years of cabbage. If you've got a hectare, a hectare takes 30,000 years. That will be gone in a week. So the reason I say it's easy, it's a matter of just yeah. don't think about it too much. Because we, we like to overthink things. Just as it is, you know, there's the one guy, spiritual father of mine, Terry, would say you'll drive for a good 10 kilometers and you'll see the same produce. And these people have been doing this for years. That should speak volume. The fact that you're driving for 10 kilometers and it's, it's 12 different farmers doing the same thing every single year. You are definitely inspiring and I hope that the farmer or the aspiring farmer or agriculturalist listening to this episode is inspired and is moved as I am. I've def definitely learned a lot in just this few minutes by chatting with you. So thank you for that. In your experience, what would you say are some of the key considerations that a farmer should take into account when when wanting to expand their farming operations. You've done it so well. Take us through that. What are some of the key things that a farmer should consider when looking to expand? Firstly, your location, your finance. You may have finances to expand, but then if something goes wrong, you will not have finances. It's a mistake we've also asked me. That's the biggest key point. You may have a two rand, to expand, but if you take the very last two rands and something wrong happens, you will not be able to get up. And secondly, when expanding, marketing 
the one reason for you to expand is the fact that you see the demand. You will not want to expand if you don't see the demand. But be realistic with your demand and with your produce. The produce that we're doing are the ones that are in demand. I mean, Yellow Maid does a lot of cabbages, like I said, and potatoes, a lot of things. Then you get those the niche produce. Before you extend, make sure that your clientele has grown significantly. Not that because they wanted an extra 10,000 and you didn't have. Let them want a million and you didn't have. That's the reason to grow. Right. Over to our farmer question. Now, this week's question comes from Googleto Dube, a farmer based in Ermelo and Pumalanga. Now, Googleto is gearing up to explore the cultivation of sugar beans. However, he needs some help on choosing the right planter for this endeavor. His question is answered by Lumka Dikashu. My name is Kukulet Tube. I'm based in Ermelom, Pumalanga. I'm a young and upcoming farmer. And I've got a question that I wanted to ask. I've been doing some research on the growing of sugar beans. I couldn't put a finger on what planter should be used for for planting sugar beans. So I wanted to find out, is it the maize planter that is used or is the soya bean planter that is used or there is a specific planter for sugar beans? To answer your question with the planter for sugar beans, it is the same as your maize. The difference is that with that planter, there's plates that you put where the seed is dropped in the ground. With the bean planter, it's the same as there's the maize planter. The only difference is there's the plates that you put where the seeds are dropped. You can get the plates anywhere where they sell tractors. If they do not have it, ask them, they'll order it for you. That's it for this episode. Join us again next time when we meet another seasoned steward of the earth, ready to guide the next generation of farmers. Don't miss out on the exclusive article covering this episode. Make sure you visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za to be the first to read it. To our amazing audience of farmers and agriculture enthusiasts, thank you for joining and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. From me, Duncan Masiwa, our technical producer, Megan Funderfint, and the rest of hashtag Team Food Zanzi, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.